Hello, everyone, and welcome back to James Cameron's Titanic scene by scene. I'm Brittany Butler. I'm Ethan Brim. And <laughs> and we are back from what I'm calling the great hiatus of 2021 to 2023. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, there's lots to talk about. Obviously, we have been gone for literally two years, which is insane. And it doesn't feel like that. And you know what's funny? I went and I looked back at our feed and our upload schedule was actually pretty consistent in comparison to going away for two years. (laughs) 2021 didn't happen, so... Well, yeah, because we posted one episode in 2021 in February. Yeah. And then our latest episode, our interview with Alexandra, we posted almost two years to the day of our last scene. So both in February. Yeah. And we were posting not like it was infrequent, but looking back, it's just kind of funny to me how I was like always profusely apologizing when we were only gone for a month (laughs) and I was like oh my god I'm so sorry we're back because like I looked back and it's like our first three episodes we did three episodes in April two episodes in May Mm -hmm. one episode in July three episodes in August one episode in September two episodes in October one in November two in December that's covering the whole year right there. So we started this 2019, right? Mm-hmm. That- and then for 2020, we did one episode in January, two in February, one in March, one in April, one in May, didn't do June, then we did July, then we did August, and then one episode for 2021, February, and then we went away. <laughs> Relatively speaking, we were still hitting most of the months, like yeah. every month of the year. Yeah. Well, I had a second son in October of 2020, so that kind of like exactly yeah. made it harder um, to record, I guess, just noise wise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do not have a soundproof room, any soundproof rooms in my house, and it's pretty small. So, yeah, there's that plus the pandemic, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that explains 2021 at least. I do have stuff to go over just because I feel like yeah, yeah. two years. You know, that, that's a long time to go away from something like this. And this is a time where I feel like an explanation is warranted in this case. And sure. especially because everything that happened over these last two years led me back to Titanic at this perfect time. Uh, so it's all relevant. And I do feel like it's worth mentioning. It's a personal story and a personal journey but I feel like it could be helpful or of worth to share for anybody who might relate to it or something like that. This is going to be the breakdown for the episode. I have it broken down so that we could just segue into each thing naturally hopefully. (laughs) So first things first we will address the great hiatus, which will lead into Titanic's 25th anniversary and the theatrical re-release. And that's going to encompass a lot of different things. Then that will go into its box office performance, 
which is very interesting stuff. Then some new reviews that I really want to share that I've read because there's been, along with this Titanic renaissance, a, a bit of a critical reappraisal. That's definitely been something going on that I've noticed, and it's very, very interesting and honestly just really, really nice. Then we have a really cool announcement to make. So we'll announce that later in this episode. And then I want to wrap up with some comments you guys, our listeners, have sent to us. So we're also going to be reading some very important reviews that we've gotten. Yeah, we're not going to read them, but they are related (laughs) and they will come up. So (laughs) now that we got the itinerary or the rundown out of the way, so you guys know what to expect here. Uh, Hopefully that rundown sounded good to you. So we will get into it. (laughs) If it didn't sound good, we're doing it anyway. Okay, so first things first. The Great Hiatus. We have to address this. And it really was me (laughs) who who caused this. I don't want to say I caused it, but I mean, (laughs) I was the reason we took a two-year break. Definitely. <laughs> In addition to like, you know, you, you did. Yeah, the, I, yeah, a lot of big changes on, I mean, you know, big life events, I think, both of our, for both of us. Yes. Yeah. So I don't want to dwell too much on a lot of details, but I do want to, you know, share things that I think are relevant because like I said, it all kind of leads up to this big culmination of returning to Titanic. So what happened was... <laughs> We had our other podcast that we were doing, the Even Stevens podcast, and it was going really, really well. Was it not? Oh, yeah, it was going really well. (laughs) It was doing pretty hot for a really small audience kind of project. It was a niche project, definitely, but yeah, strong niche. We recorded another episode. And we thought it was like one of our best episodes yet. We were so excited about it. I know you were like super stoked about it. Yeah. I was in the middle of editing when I decided to take a break and check Twitter. And the number one trending topic was the allegations brought forth by FKA Twigs against Shia LaBeouf, who is the star of Even Stevens. So... Needless to say, I lost all motivation to continue editing that episode. I just felt like, yeah, I really can't. I I can't do this right now. Uh, And I just cried and cried and cried. It was very sad. It was a very sad day. And it was one of those things where when something like that comes out about someone that you're a really big fan of, it was like even Stevens became such a big part of my life, you know, in our lives, you know? Like, this was something Mm -hmm. we had been doing quite some time. Suddenly this happens, and it was just the darkest cloud looming over something that had brought us so much joy and brought our listeners joy, and it was just really sad, and I didn't know how to navigate it, so I just didn't. It just felt tone-deaf to continue with it at that moment, too, anyway, like, regardless. So I was like, okay, we we just can't do this right now. That sort of negativity started bleeding into other aspects of my life, including the Titanic podcast. And it got to this point where I couldn't really listen to myself talk, which if you're doing a podcast, that's... uh, (laughs) If you're editing a podcast, especially. (laughs) Yeah. 
So that was very difficult and I just couldn't do it. It was like a really bad mental block that I just needed to work past naturally. So I couldn't do that. And I was just super self-conscious now suddenly about everything I've ever said on both of the podcasts. It it was just bad. Like I didn't want to hear myself. I didn't want to think about anything we said. (laughs) That was only worsened by some reviews and feedback we had gotten. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm a critic. So, I mean, everyone's entitled to reviewing products it's one thing if you're if you're reviewing something that studios put millions of dollars into and and they're marketing and saying you should watch this like and they're 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 telling you watch this movie watch this tv show and you watch it and it's like that wasn't very good it's a waste of my time it's a waste of you know a 15 dollar movie ticket or i think people deserve to know why or why not they should do that and it's worth just uh just opening up the the forum for discussing art in in my opinion but Mm. Like doing it for a pod, like reviewing a podcast. I don't think I've ever left a review for a podcast in my life because unless it's been like, oh, I love this. And I want to be clear. I want to be clear. We have not gotten like an onslaught of bad reviews or anything like that. We have. No, no, no. Yeah. It was like one or two. Yeah. We- <laughs> Our fans are really great. I will say. Yeah. You guys are wonderful. But at this particular time in my life, we had received two reviews that were, for, you know, less than stellar. And pointed out some things that I didn't necessarily realize before. And one of those things that not only was mentioned in one of the reviews, but other places as well that are found people. I need to know what this is. People are very upset with the way that I pronounce drawing. <laughs> that's okay. That's a regional like accent. Like exactly, exactly. So okay, but this was the thing. They spoke as if I was like an idiot who didn't know how to pronounce the word. So I thought about it, and then I realized. I said, "Wait, mom, say drawing, right?" And I had her say it, and she put the R in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. She said, "Draw ring." Yeah, it's, right? a re- it's a regional accent. And so I said, "Okay, I'm on to something now." And so I went to the Boston subreddit, mm. and I asked them, "How do you pronounce this?" Right? And the overwhelming response was like, "Yep, there's definitely an R in there. There's <laughs> definitely an R in drawing." Well, I've heard a bunch of people say that who are from like the East Coast. When I found out. <laughs> That it is totally a Boston, you know, regional kind of thing. I felt so much better. And I was like, okay, but I feel like I have to let the people know this. (laughs) And I realized, I was like, yeah, everybody in my family my whole life has pronounced it that way. In in Boston, we drop our R's Mm -hmm. where we should be saying them and we inject them where they don't exist. (laughs) So, so that's, that's that. Yeah. During this whole time, we were inching closer and closer and closer to 100,000 total downloads, which is crazy. Thank you all so much for listening. That's that's like incredible. Comparatively speaking, our Even Stevens podcast still hasn't even hit like 30,000. I was not used to the numbers like that. So as I was in this state of mind, seeing those numbers was also freaking me out. And I was like, oh, God this many people are listening this is ridiculous this is even worse (laughs) 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 it was just not helping so during this time as well my grandmother her health started to rapidly decline uh, throughout 2021 and 
home care is very expensive. So my mom and I were pretty much my Nana's number one caregivers for like the majority of 2021, which was a lot. That was a lot emotionally, a lot physically because she couldn't move very well after a certain point in time and we had to do a lot of stuff for her and it was a lot and we were at her house like almost more than our own house and so I knew that I really wanted to spend as much time with her as possible and just really kind of deal with that so then in the midst of that happening in October of 2021 I had to put my dog of 11 years down and I still don't really think I've grieved the loss of my dog because it just kind of happened so fast. Life moves on and then three months later, my Nana died. And so she died January 28th, 2022. And that was really, really difficult. I'm an only child, my mom's a single mom. So my grandparents were literally my parents. Like they were just also my parents. So my Nana was my second mom. Like I didn't go a day without talking to her really. What was crazier about this experience was that I was I was there for her deathbed. Uh, and that is something I've never experienced before. And when it's someone who's that close to you, who I have known and loved and been with nearly every day for 29 years, that is a visual and an experience that is still very hard to comp- comprehend and and grieve. You know, I still feel like I'm in denial with that as well. And um, it's been a year, which is also incredibly hard to fathom. And over the course of 2022, it was a whole other thing because it also, you know, obviously I was grieving on some degree. But then we also had to sell Nana and Papa's house. That was this very emotional process and very involved process. You know, we've never sold a house before, so that was like a lot to deal with. And then just cleaning out the house, you know, mm-hmm. that took a lot of time and energy over the course of that year. And and every time we did it, it was emotional. Like every time we had to go in there and clean the house, I was crying. And so the day we sold it was terrible and that was extremely emotional as well. And you know, so many memories wrapped up in that house. With my Nana's passing, it really felt like not just the end of a chapter in my life, but the end of a book in like the saga of my life, Mm -hmm. you know? That is completely new territory for me. This was like the first time where it felt like everything is changing now. Like my life is not the same as it was anymore. Like when, when you don't have something that was a constant in your life for 29 years anymore you don't have that home base anymore you don't have those parents anymore it's a big thing to go through and that was something I had to go through uh, uh, during the time away and then on top of that my own mother was in and out of the hospital and she happened to be in the same hospital that my Nana had been in she doing all right now I want to manifest good energy out there for my mom she still has a lot of stuff to to work through. I'd appreciate it if you guys could keep her in your thoughts. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the gist of everything 
that was going on with me over these last two years and why I just I just couldn't I just really couldn't I I mean I I stopped doing everything I stopped doing music I stopped doing these podcasts I stopped doing everything aside from like what I literally had to do to sustain my life you know yeah and it was just a process right it was something that I just had to go through at my own pace and come out the other side eventually which I did slowly but surely and it started interestingly when they announced that Titanic was getting a theatrical re-release for Valentine's Day 2023 and I didn't even realize this but when I went back and looked at those articles when they came out they came out on my birthday the announcement of the re-release which I didn't realize at the time but I looked back and like the majority of the articles were published June 22nd and I was like that's weird I didn't register that, but that's the first little sprinkling of things that felt a little serendipitous for me personally. <laughs> and I kind of like I was excited about that idea. I was like, oh, my God, that's that's great. Like, I, I figured Titanic would be back in theaters for the 25th anniversary. Like, but I still wasn't in that in the right headspace to be like, oh, my God. Yeah, Titanic. I'm so excited. Well, you know what I mean? <laughs> As you usually are, right? Yeah. yeah, as I am all the time, 24-7. Um, but it also was very far out from... Yeah. And I was still kind of in that dark cave. I hadn't fully crawled out yet. But then as the release date got closer and closer, I could feel myself finally crawling out of the darkness. And I started feeling that Titanic obsession start to bubble up again. Because for a long time, I was really afraid that I couldn't watch Titanic anymore. I was genuinely afraid because during this time, I stopped caring about the things that I cared about. I stopped loving the things that I loved and I wanted like nothing to do with them. It was just a really, it was just another weird thing that came along with it. There was actually one day, maybe a month or two before Nana died, where she was watching Titanic. Titanic came on TV. And she was like, oh, Brit, Titanic's on. And I said, uh, I can't be in here. And I I literally, like, I left the room. I think she did have a nurse with her at that moment. And I was like, okay, they can, they can watch it together for this time being. I can't, I can't be here. (laughs) So I left and I sort of just, like, put music on or, like, my headphones on and just doom scrolled on my phone to distract myself because I could hear the movie from the other room and since I know it so well I could practically see it in my head just from hearing it and I was like I can't do this either like I have to completely block it out and it just was getting me really really scared I was like oh no I I, this can't happen (laughs) this cannot happen to Titanic of all things so that was another thing that I started to feel coming back to me and I was getting excited and happy that I was starting to feel this joy again for this thing that I know I love. I was, you know, getting that urge to watch the movie again. I was getting that urge to like watch some scenes. So I did watch a few scenes just to like get that fix as I needed it because I didn't watch it at all for two years. I went two years without watching Titanic, which in these recent years of my life, that's definitely the longest I've ever gone. That was like a big deal. And I started getting really excited for this re-release. Once I realized when it was coming out, when it actually hit me, the time frame of which it was coming out, 
it just started to feel even more serendipitous because the anniversary of my grandfather's death is Valentine's Day. Well, he died February 15th, but we got the call that he'd taken a turn and you should come in. We got that call the night of Valentine's Day on February 14th. So this Titanic re-release is centered around Valentine's Day and it was coming out February 9th was the earliest I could see it. Also the fact that my Nana passed away January 28th. Her funeral was in early February. The Titanic re-release was happening in the exact bracket between my grandmother's passing and my grandfather's passing. I started to get really emotional, like extra emotional. I knew going into the re-release that it was going to hit different just because of everything that had happened over the last two years. And like, not just with me, but in the world in general, the world went through a lot from 2020 to 2023. I knew, especially after not watching Titanic for two whole years and taking a complete clean break from all things Titanic, really, for that long, I knew it was going to hit different coming back. But the added layers of everything else just made it 10 times worse, but in the best way. It was so cathartic, I guess, you know what I mean? And it was almost helping me grieve in this unique way through this thing that I love that has always been there in my life. And I started realizing as well how much nostalgia I have tied to Titanic and my grandparents and my grandparents' house. Pretty sure the first time I watched Titanic was on VHS at Nana and Papa's. And just little things like that were coming back to me. The more I thought about it, the more it really did almost feel like a gift. Like it was almost like a gift from them to be like, hey, Brittany, we know this period right now is going to be a tough time. So go watch Titanic on the biggest screens possible and think of us or something you know that's kind of what it felt Mm -hmm. like it was like just just be able to return home kind of like because that's what it felt like you know I've said every frame of this movie feels like home and so seeing it theatrically it after a two-year break it really did feel like coming home and yeah it was just making me really really emotional and so I made sure the first time I saw it because I knew I was going to see it multiple times So I made sure the first time I saw it was in IMAX and IMAX on like the preview day. So it was the day before the main first day. And so there were only three other people in the theater and it was like a giant IMAX theater. Oh man, that must have been so weird. That's the thing. Like I wanted to be as alone as possible for it, you know, for like my first rewatch in two years I wanted it to be on the biggest screen possible with the loudest sound possible and be as isolated as possible so that I could really just take it in by myself and holy crap was it overwhelming like I (laughs) I was expecting to be emotional but nowhere near as emotional as I was um but there is actually (laughs) there is a funny story because I was very very nervous because I just get nervous before like a concert. I know. I just, I'm just getting nervous. I am nervous all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's why Brittany gave up coffee in 2023. <laughs> I, no, I do not drink coffee. Fun fact. Uh, never have, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> 
I just get nervous before like a concert, before a gig, before like whatever. Like I just get nervous before things and I want them to go well. It was my first time seeing Titanic in two years and I just wanted it to be perfect. So I was literally having nightmares the night before. (laughs) No, really. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know. Get ready for this. Ready? Okay. Okay. I had a nightmare the night before that I went to see Titanic and it started and it was almost a different movie. It started with like all these Gen Z kids trying to get a connection to Titanic somehow mm. and then they started threading in Old Rose and I was so upset like like they had gone in and changed Titanic to try to relate to a younger generation <laughs> in my dream and I <laughs> no cap Rose I love you <laughs> they overdub everything <laughs> did <laughs> Did Leo just say on gang? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, I literally had a nightmare like that. And I was so upset in my nightmare. I was livid. I ran out to the people. I said, what movie is playing in there? Because that is not Titanic. I was like, what was wrong with the original version? There was nothing wrong with it. And I was so upset. And I woke up. And I was like, okay, something's going to go wrong today, isn't it? (laughs) Like, something's going to go wrong. So I got to the theater an hour early. (laughs) To to make sure Flytanic wasn't playing? The Block Blister version? (laughs) (laughs) Flytanic. No, like that that play that's out now, Titanic. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yes. Just some other version of Titanic. Had to make sure it was Titanic, you know, that movie, Uh, that it was that one that was playing and not another one. So I got there an hour early to make sure everything was good. Lady gave me my 3D glasses. Everything was great. Got my concessions early. I was sitting there waiting. I went into the theater as soon as they allow you in. I got my seat. I'm so comfortable. I'm smack dab in the middle of the theater. I have the most perfect view. I'm totally relaxed. I'm so ready for this experience. And then it starts doing the IMAX countdown where you're supposed to have the glasses on and the writing's like zooming at your face saying like, incredible picture quality, blah, blah, blah. It's like zooming at you. It's like getting you ready for the IMAX experience. Yeah, so I put my glasses on and uh, they weren't working. Oh, no. How does that even, like, they were, like, the same, was it, like, the same lens or something? There were these two guys who somehow decided to sit right behind me, even though there's a whole theater full of seats. They sat right behind me. Uh, But they were nice and quiet. They didn't bother me. But I panicked, and I turned around to them, and I said, are your glasses working? Like, mine aren't working. And they were like, oh, yeah, this is IMAX. They use different glasses. The lady gave me the wrong glasses. Oh, no. Yeah, it's like the hard ones, like the mm-hmm. really, really wide, like, cyber, yep. cyborg glasses. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they gave you, like, the flimsy ones that they show. The real like, D, yeah, 3D yeah. ones, yeah. Got it. Oh, wow. That's... And I wow. didn't know that, because uh, I haven't seen an IMAX movie in years. I didn't know. Yeah. And so, yeah, countdown is done. 
The Paramount logo is up on the screen. So you're sprinting out of the theater. And I am sprinting out of the IMAX theater. And of course, the IMAX theater is freaking huge. So you have to run out of all these hallways just to get out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's a little maze. Yeah, it's true. It's like they're like. (laughs) But so I was sprinting out of there. And this is probably gross and probably not what you're supposed to do. Oh, you dug out of the trash, didn't you? (laughs) I could not wait. I could not miss the beginning. I didn't want to miss any of it. So I noticed the bin of IMAX glasses and I said, well, I'm not going to go run and try to find an attendant to try to get me glasses. Like, no. I was like, whatever. I'm just digging in here and I'm taking out a pair of these glasses. Those were the used ones, I'm pretty sure, right? Oh, yeah. that See, that's why I always keep a spare IMAX glasses in my pocket. <laughs> I could not be bothered. I had to do this. I was like, whatever. I'm probably going to get some diseases in my eye <laughs> for Titanic. <laughs> but whatever. It'll be worth it. So I grabbed those glasses out of the bin, sprinted my way back in. And by the time I got back in, I was real quick because I caught the title card of Titanic. And I was like, oh, thank God. I just missed, like, the sepia intro of the footage and everything. This story is fantastic, by the way. I love this. I really do. (laughs) But that's what happened, of course. And I'm incredibly out of shape. So for the first five minutes of the movie, I'm trying to catch my breath. (laughs) Yes. That's so good. Oh, man. The whole first five minutes of Titanic, which was supposed to be a peaceful, beautiful experience because I got there an hour early. So I was sitting there in my seat like, <gasps> and then once I get, regained composure and was breathing normally, the emotion completely overtook me once I was aware that, oh, holy crap, I'm in an IMAX theater watching Titanic for the first time in two years right now. And I was looking at Bill Paxton and I just started crying right off the bat, like five minutes into the movie. There was something about seeing him up on the screen and knowing that he's gone, you know, he's no longer with us. And, you know, he was gone by the time we started this podcast, but mm-hmm. the theatrical experience is just so different that it's so special. Like when you see a movie on the big screen, you feel like something magical, something special is happening. His face was like crystal clear the moment I registered that I was watching Titanic again. Obviously, since I've experienced big losses over the last two years. I was just thinking about how he's gone and I was thinking about how Gloria Stewart's gone and I was thinking about how even Lovejoy, David Warner, is gone. It was just this crazy experience of realizing how amazing movies are and and for actors in movies, that's kind of the closest thing we have to immortality. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I was just looking at everybody in the movie, you know, Leo, Kate, everybody. And I was just thinking about how everyone is just perfectly preserved in this movie that will endure for years and years and years and years to come, you know, way after everybody in the movie is gone, you know, and it'll still be there exactly the way we all remember it forever. And having gone through everything and returning to Titanic and just thinking about that, it was that was making me really emotional because it's just one of those things where, you know, I I maybe feel as though I was losing certain constants in my life, like my grandparents, like their house, like, you know, my dog, like, you know, whatever. But Titanic is still there 
and it'll always be there. And it's that one thing that is a little bit like a home base for everything. Like I said, I, I have so much nostalgia tied into my grandparents' house with Titanic, which I didn't totally realize until recently. And yeah, it was just a really special thing. I was shaking and I was crying and I was like already reaching for my napkins and my tissues and stuff. And I was like, the guys behind me are probably like, what is wrong with her? Why is she already crying? This is ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, it was just really overwhelming. I'm like, why is my body doing this? So yeah. I just started hyperventilating at the most random moments. And then obviously at moments that always did emotionally impact me. It was just crazy. It was That's like all I really can remember about that first watch. I just remember how I felt and it was just overwhelming emotion that I almost couldn't really take in what I was watching, almost. It was just too much. Was that the first time you'd ever seen it in IMAX or no? No, I saw it in IMAX back in 2012. Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually went with Nana to the mm. one time I mm. saw an IMAX. And I think it was the same theater because that's like the only IMAX near us. So, yeah, so that was weird too. <laughs> but yeah, it was just a lot. And so all I can remember is how I felt and I was literally just <laughs> like doing that just hyperventilating you have no control over your chest like heaving it just really was once again reiterating to me even more how much this movie clearly means to me and just the effect that it really has on me and my psyche I guess and my life that was my first time and it was obviously as good as it could be <laughs> without the glasses incident that's what that's going to be called now the glasses <laughs> incident and I also did want to say, just to clarify, you did not get to check out the re-release. I did not go, no. I I was uh, been pretty busy the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I just yeah. wanted to make sure everyone yeah. knew because it's pretty much just going to be me talking about my experience. <laughs> it's hard for me to get to the theaters. Like I used to go to the movies like four times a week, but it's been hard. A, having kids and working a job that requires me to work like 60 hours a week. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure people knew. I'm not. I'm not bogarting yeah. the mic. I'm not. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I'm. I'm. To, yeah, I've. I have. I have no experiences to speak on up for this time around. <laughs> so, how many times did you see it total? So, I actually lost count. Is it still? It's not in theaters anymore. Is it? Oh well, that's the funny thing too. Now it kept expand. They kept extending the. They kept extending it. So it it was supposed to end today. The day that we are recording this, which is March 1st, 2023. Uh, in my movie apps, um, today was supposed to be the last day. But then I checked last night and they extended it for another week here in Boston, at least. And it's <laughs> extended for this week again at the theater that is eight minutes away from my house. So that, that is just way too tempting for me to want to go. Again, because these last two weeks, I definitely have seen it two more times by myself because I kept wanting to say goodbye to it. I was like, okay, this is the last time yeah, I can see gotta, it. Like, yeah. And then it's extended again the next day. And I'm like, okay, it's another week. So I'll go at the end of this week because that'll be the last time I can see it. Oh, now it's extended again for a fourth week. So, and it was originally supposed to be one week only. You know, obviously I'm not complaining. That's awesome that it's being extended. But, but yeah, I will say... Out of all the times I've seen it so far, my best time was definitely in Dolby Cinema 3D at AMC. Dolby was definitely the best time I've seen it on this theatrical run. Mm. I definitely think that 
the 35 millimeter film screening I caught in 2019 and Dolby are definitely my two best theatrical Titanic experiences. I made it to the very last Dolby show. It was like the very last one that they were doing. I'm so glad because I almost wasn't going to because it's like a little bit further away. I got to drive, got to pay for parking, all this stuff. But I was like, nah, I want to see what all the fuss is about with Dolby. I got to see. And I'm so glad I did because, oh my God, did the movie look gorgeous. It was just the most beautiful it has ever looked. The 4K restoration was so pristine. The tones and the color grading was just beautiful. The 2012 one had like this weird greenish kind of tint to the whole movie, which was weird. This one felt way more analog and like natural and it was, it felt closer to the warm nostalgic tones of like my VHS copy, you Mm -hmm. know, felt much closer to that. And yeah, and it was just so beautiful. The oranges and reds and browns, like those warm colors in the first half of the movie were just so beautiful. Everything just looked gorgeous. And then the action and everything in the second half, everything still looked incredible. My jaw was hanging open during the whole sinking sequence this time because I was just amazed and the sound quality was incredible. It was the perfect volume level, the perfect bass. It was surround sound uh, and the crowd was really awesome too. So it was like a perfect storm finally of like everything going well because the other two times I had seen it, the volume was way too low and it was just annoying and just little things like that. The picture quality wasn't that great, Uh, but Dolby, it was just amazing. Everything was perfect and I definitely remember that one the most vividly and I made sure I actually took to Letterboxd Mm -hmm. to give in-depth reviews of my experiences so that I wouldn't forget yeah because i don't remember like anything about seeing it in 2012 and i and i went six times and i don't remember anything so this time i was like let me keep a log i'm going to use this to keep a log and like really try to keep that memory fresh and remember what these experiences were like aside from the first time was the theater always pretty crowded or it was a it was a mix depending on like what time of day you went right so late afternoon and night it was pretty crowded and like I was obsessed with this kind of stuff and I want to know how well Titanic is doing so Mm -hmm. I would check different show times just for the heck of it on the apps because you can see the seat chart. Now you can see the seat chart yeah yeah that's true. Yep so I would just check periodically to see how it was doing and there were quite a few shows that were sold out and then the ones that weren't sold out were still pretty packed and that was like really cool to see and then so the few times I saw it definitely decent crowds Um, Except for the first IMAX one with three people, because that was like the first day and I saw it at like noon and it was noon on a weekday. So obviously there was going to be like no one there. But yeah, but Dolby was great. The other two times had decent crowds as well. But now that it's been extended into its last run now, like it's been dwindling, obviously. But that is something cool, though, to talk about. This kind of segues right into the demographics that this 25th anniversary re-release brought in and its box office performance and all this sort of stuff. So at the two showings I went to at the theater eight minutes away from me, I went once with a friend of mine who miraculously had never seen Titanic and another time with my mom. Both times the audience had multiple groups of teenage girls Mm. and that was very interesting to me because 
Firstly, this is a 25-year-old movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's interesting. Like I've I've seen throwback showings of I mean in in, in Calif- Southern California especially it happens quite often. Every type of movie like you can kind of make sense of like certain demographics. So like yeah, this is probably obviously like part of it probably is that if they've never seen it before or if they have seen it before, you know, to see in theaters, if they, if, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's obviously, I think Titanic's a great movie no matter who you are. But, um, I mean, there's people who are like, oh, like, it's like, because it's the romance aspect of it. So, like, appeals mm-hmm. to females more. Which, I mean, yeah, it statistically and historically that is true. But, so that's probably part of it. And obviously, maybe, like, the Leo thing. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> too. Interesting. Yeah, they were walking in all excited and chattering and they had all their concessions and they were all excited to go to their seats. And I was like, this is kind of amazing just because it it felt like history was repeating itself the way it was in the 90s, except this is a 25 year old movie now. And this movie came out years before these girls were born, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're acting excited to see it as if it's a new movie what's amazing is that it also looks incredible it doesn't look like a 25 year old movie especially with this seeing it in 4k so that was just really cool to see that but then there was also obviously once again a huge wide range of people when i saw it with my friend in our little six people or whatever that we were sitting close to on my right it was a mother and her 10 year old daughter then it was me and my friend who are both late 20s and then next to my friend was like a 60 year old married couple or something Mm. so it was like right there there was like a wide range of age just in that one little row so that was really cool and you know that was nice to see and at the one in Dolby I was sitting next to these people who barely even spoke English I turns out at the end when I tried to speak to them about mm-hmm. it but it didn't matter they were sitting there with tears streaming down their faces at the end they were wrecked by it and it was just amazing witnessing this because again like, i can't stress it enough that this is a 25 year old movie that they put back in theaters for you know a wide release and people are still paying to leave their house and go see it when everybody has probably already seen it, the majority mm-hmm. of people have probably already seen it. And if not, it's their first time seeing it on the big screen. Or if you are one of those people who's ne- who have never seen it, obviously the best way to see it for the first time would be on the big screen. And to see it still affecting people in the same way it affected people 25 years ago, that was really special. And it was really extra emotional for me to look around to just witness the sustained power of this movie yeah i think obviously i mean it's titanic one of the biggest movies of all time but i went to the 15 year in 2012 i went to like an evening showing not that crowded but i feel like this time around the hype behind it is so much bigger and i think a you know the longer time you spend away from a classic like the more you kind of clamor to see it again and b i think it has to do too with the fact that it was post-pandemic part Mm. of it too a little bit like people were like, oh, well, people still go back to the theaters. It's like, yeah, people will go back to the theaters, but they're not going to go back to the theaters to see like the Fablemans, uh, Triangle of Sadness. They're going to want to see like Top Gun or Avatar or if you throw Titanic in there. Those are the movies that people want to experience in theaters. So the answer is, yeah, people still want to go to the theaters and people will still go to the theaters. But um, 
it's going to be to see something more like Titanic than it is something that's like, you know, Oscar bait stuff. Not that Titanic. Titanic is an Oscar winner. It's not Oscar bait, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's another part of the conversation we're going to get into. But quickly piggybacking off of the demographics thing. Yeah. Um, it is truly incredible to me, though. We have touched on this a little bit in the past about how Titanic is still beloved by younger audiences. I know that when I was a teenager, anything that came out from before I was born, I thought was ancient. Mm. You know what I mean? Even if it was like a year before I was born, I was like, eh, well, this came out like before I was born. Like, you know, I feel like I can't relate to it. It just feels ancient and old. And yet so many kids out there, teenagers, whatever, tweens, I don't know, are so in love with this movie and are still having this weird obsession that we all had and it's just really crazy and I decided to look up Titanic stuff on TikTok which I have I had not done the last time we talked about this and I was genuinely shocked by what I found so there was a Titanic edit that like obviously a teenager made or something and they posted it and at the time I saw it it had been up for maybe 15 days and it had two million likes. What was it? It was just an edit. It was like a Jack and Rose edit. Hmm. And it had two million likes in like 15 days. Now, when I go on TikTok, if I see a video that has like 100,000 likes, yeah. I consider that to be viral. I hardly ever see videos that have uh, over a million. I was just sitting there thinking to myself, what is this? All the comments, you can tell by their username and their profile that they're Titanic fan pages or their mm -hmm. Leo fan pages, like young Leo. I was just absolutely blown away by that. So then I started to go into the tags. Um, and let me see, because I, I bet the number has gone up since the last time I checked. Yep. So the Jack Dawson tag on TikTok, so just hashtag Jack Dawson, has, are you ready for this, Ethan? Yeah. <laughs> it has 1.5 billion views. The tag. So like, I don't, I'm not familiar with TikTok. So that's like how many people are viewing something with that hashtag. People have clicked the Jack Dawson hashtag to find okay. other content about Jack Dawson. Yeah, I'd say that's a lot. <laughs> like a 25 year old movie character. Yeah, that is, that is definitely, I'd say, <laughs> pretty insane so that would kind of blew my mind and then seeing uh videos of people on there posting their experience seeing it in theaters to like come with me to see titanic in, in 3d mm. little vloggy kind of things and like one of them got like 600,000 likes and everybody in the comments were saying things like oh my god i just saw it yesterday and i already want to see it again oh my god like blah 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 and like you can tell that these are young people you know, just yeah. by the way they write. And I was like, this is amazing. This is really, truly beautiful to me. It was just very, very cool. I just couldn't stop scrolling because I couldn't believe it. I was like, what year is it? I was like, it's like, it's, it felt like we were experiencing what Titanic mania and Leo mania would be like if the 90s had social media. Yeah, social, yeah, social media existed. Yeah. That is what it felt like as I was scrolling. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. That's wild. No, I, that is wild. I mean, I'm, I'm so like off the grid i don't do tiktok yeah that's wild though um like instagram uh a lot of there was a lot of stuff i was seeing obviously like you posted a bunch of stuff or on your story but uh, yeah like i'd see a lot of stuff on there too so 
tagging on to this going into its box office performance for this re-release, which is also incredible. I had no idea how this was going to do just because the 2012 box office was insane. So the 2012 box office made $57 million domestically and $350 million worldwide. How many weeks was that one? I think it was like at least a month. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say like a few, like three or four weeks. But that was, but at the same time, like back then, that was a 15-year-old movie. And yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. And, and uh, you know, social media wasn't hyping stuff up like it does now, like getting people to be aware that it's even out there. Too. That's what's even like more yeah. impressive. But the thing that was different was that movie audiences were very different in 2012 than they yeah. are now. You know, like Avengers had only like just come out in 2012, right? Yeah. Which was like the real start to the whole crazy MCU craze, you know? Yeah. Things were very different since the last time Titanic was in theaters. So I had no idea how it was going to do. And it still did not come close to the 2012 numbers. Really? No. Like wow. at all. I thought it, um, I, I would have thought it did better because I was hearing more about it. And the fact that when I went in 2012, there weren't my theater was not very crowded. Mm-hmm. But the 2012 one also had like the centenary of the actual Titanic sinking. Like they were making that a big deal. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Years. Come honor Titanic and see the movie, and it's also the 15th anniversary. And it had like it had a lot going for it. Yeah, that's true. But this one, it was pretty much just like come see Titanic on Valentine's Day for the 25th <laughs> anniversary. And I was like, yeah. who's going to come to this? Like, I don't I don't know. But I guess considering the way the box office is these days, they, you know, it's weird. Movies aren't making crazy, crazy amounts of money anymore. Yeah, select movies are. but Unless it's like a Marvel movie, you know. Well, Top Gun made and Avatar had the highest grossing from last year. and But those are also now part of franchises now. Yeah, yeah, they're IPs, yeah. I see what they're you're They're all sequels now, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, Top Gun, the new Top Gun, I hate the original one. And oh, I hate the original one, too! Everyone I know, like, doesn't like the original one, but love this one. It doesn't matter what you feel mm-hmm. about, about the original Top Gun, which is why it was so good. But yeah, that's funny. I didn't like the original Top Gun, either. It, it, like, the flight sequences are cool, but it's like the whole movie takes place at sunset, slash sunrise it's like what is this and i actually i did want us to plug our letterboxed profiles uh, (laughs) on this episode or just on this podcast from here on out oh yeah i need more followers on letterboxd uh because that was something that i did while i was you know depressed (laughs) basically i just kind of got obsessed with letterboxd and just watched a ton of movies over the last year and a half or so and just started logging all these movies and writing little reviews here and there, trying to get a little deep on there when I feel like it. Oh yeah, Letterboxd is awesome. It's so much fun, and like I'm super into it now. But I ha- half the time I feel like I'm just writing into the void. So <laughs> yeah, that's how I started it. I started writing. I just wanted to log stuff that I watched. I didn't. I like maybe put a couple of sentences here and there, mm-hmm. which I still do for the most part, I guess. But. And then I started getting, I was like, okay, people are commenting and liking it. And I'm like, okay, people are actually reading this. One like or comment <laughs> on Letterboxd is the equivalent to like a million likes on another platform. It feels so good. Like it's so hard to get likes and comments on Letterboxd, man. Unless like, and I have like, and I know people are reading them because like I've had people say, oh, I lo- like, I always read your things on Letterboxd. And I'm like, okay, I've never seen you like it though. So where are you? <laughs> but yeah, so if... 
any of you guys out there are on Letterboxd, give us a follow. I will put both of our profiles in the description of this podcast episode. please. Because I feel like if you care to listen to us talk about this movie and other things for very long extended periods of time... I would hope, you know, maybe you might care about our thoughts on other movies that you could just see <laughs> on Letterboxd briefly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I thought this would be a relevant place to to plug those, shout those out. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so speaking of Letterboxd, I have been monitoring Titanic's performance on Letterboxd <laughs> very closely since the start of this re-release, uh, because that's really where things get the most traction these days as far as movie reviews like people aren't really flocking to Rotten Tomatoes anymore to rate things no. people yeah. aren't really I mean where else are you gonna put a movie review you know what I mean yeah, so if, if you're into movies and you're not on Letterboxd get on board <laughs> going back to the box office as of the time we are recording this right now uh, March 1st it is currently the number three movie to be released in 2023 so far only behind Ant-Man and a very popular foreign Indian movie Patan yeah yeah okay Pat- that's it. is that how you I, say it I, I don't know how you say it but yeah I, I'm hearing some stuff about it how many did it make in this last it's total right now is only 59,580,321 worldwide worldwide really okay but it really drops off Ant-Man is number one with freaking 367 million. You know, it's Marvel. You know, they're going to make bank regardless. So I'm like, okay, sure. And then there's a steep drop off to Titanic. And then the rest of the movies are in the same range as Titanic. How much is that domestic did they make? Titanic domestic is only 14.6 million. Oh, wow. Okay. But I, I care more about worldwide because the world isn't just the United States. But either way, though, that's just crazy. So it outperformed movies that came out in 2023 yeah. worldwide. And so it, it pulled decently ahead of number four, which is Knock at the Cabin. Mm-hmm. And Knock at the Cabin is at 52 million and Titanic's 59 we, okay, because I was going to say Avatar definitely made more in 2023. No, no, yeah. I'm saying these. this is the yeah. worldwide box office for movies that, that were, were released, released in got 2023. You, got you. Okay. And, and I kind of like that, though, because that's that was Titanic's direct competition for the week and month that it was released in, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty crazy. That's a win. I'm taking that as a win. That is, you know, it, it still did numbers for what it is, you know? Yeah. And so what's the letterboxed... Uh, um, influx or deflux yes I was on Titanic's letterbox profile multiple times a day refreshing the reviews reading through them looking at the ratings trying to see how it's doing it's very frustrating because Titanic I guess had to deal with many years of people rating it three stars or less and saying overrated, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like haven't they hadn't seen it in ten years, but they just rated it anyway, type of thing. You mean? I don't know. I'll, well, because I feel like most people who were watching Titanic, obviously over the last however many years, were watching it on a small screen, and it was the cool movie to hate on. It always has been for a while, you know. For not even for a while, like literally maybe yeah. two months after it came out. Twenty five years. So, you know, it's always been that movie. So, yeah. So, it it for a long time, I guess, it was getting three, three and a half, 
to less ratings. Now with this re-release, suddenly there is a massive influx of four and five star ratings. Because people are actually watching it now. Yeah, they're physically going to the theater to see it and seeing it the way it was meant to be seen. So it is helping the people who maybe didn't like it or thought they wouldn't like it or just never understood it because they never saw it in theaters. It was making them be like, oh, now I get it. Because you get to almost time travel and imagine what it was like to be seeing it in the theater. Mm -hmm. It jumped from 40,000 written reviews to currently 64,000 written reviews. And then, do you remember what their rating was before the overall? Yeah, so this is the thing. How I said, you know, it spent a lot of time with people giving it wishy-washy ratings. It's gonna take a bazillion people to get Titanic's rating to budge, yeah. which is very sad. So it was at 3.8 at the start of the re-release, and it's still at 3.8. 3.8 is high, though. It is, but I was really hoping that Titanic, yeah. that this would push it over to a 4.0. Well, what's the Rotten Tomatoes score? Well, that's the thing. This is interesting as well. So on Rotten Tomatoes, on the original page, it has an 88% critic which I also think should be bumped up. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it should be in the the percentage that equates to an A. An A, yeah. It looks like when people say, oh, it got a 90 plus, like it sounds mm-hmm. better on Rotten Tomatoes than an 88. Yeah, yeah. What's the, was that the critic score? That's the critic score. But then the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is 69. That is not accurate. No. There's a new page for the re-release. There's a there is a new page, and so I was worried though. I thought, oh. But you got to think the people who are watching the re-release. There's a higher percentage of people who love the movie versus who are rating it on the original page. So it's going to be higher anyway. Mm, yes. You know. What I mean? But it's still it's still nice though. So there is a new Rotten Tomatoes page. It just says Titanic 25th anniversary, and it only has an audience score. Uh, because I feel like the critic ratings are still going on the main page. Yeah. Um, so the audience score for Titanic 25th anniversary is 97. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because the people who are watching it and reading it on there are going to be more likely the people who love it. Well, because it, it's it's those verified ratings. So it's like people that could have could verify that they had a ticket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Honestly, there you go. I, You know, I mean... <laughs> You know, people who go to see it, they come out of that theater, they're giving it a good rating, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I still think it's slightly skewed, but I yeah, it's definitely, I'm glad they did that just to, like, make fans feel better about it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, here's the thing about, first of all, here's the thing about letterbox scores, because... My, my point about that go ahead, yeah. was that... Um, Letterboxd rounds it up. So Titanic hit a 3.8, like viewing it as a main score, mm-hmm. when it hit 3.75. Yeah, yeah. So it has to go, it might have to go a whole point up, yeah. Yep, it it won't reach a 3.9 until it hits 3.85. yeah, so, exactly. And it's currently at 3.82. Yeah. This whole re-release, like I was expecting it to at least have bumped up to a 3.9 because I saw just 3.8 and I didn't realize that they 
had rounded it this whole time. So there's certain things that on Letterbox will just no matter what get a high score. Certain directors. Mm-hmm. There's certain things that are like, oh, it's a very letterboxed E. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. you can tell things that are gonna do well in letterbox. Film fans are not the kind of people that are gonna be given Titanic five stars. But here's the thing. <laughs> I'm a I'm a cinephile and I love Titanic. It's five out of five. I love my Fast and Furious movies. Letterbox hates Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> I love Fast and Furious movies. Take them very seriously. All about family. All about family, yeah, you know? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, like, like, its own community who just decides that these things are are mm-hmm. better than other things. But, yeah, it, it's it's very much uh, its own thing. Like, you can tell movies that'll do well on Letterboxd. Rotten Tomatoes, on the other hand is unpredictable. Oh, I yeah. watch movies that I'm like, oh, I love this movie. It has like a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, what on earth? <laughs> um, it doesn't make any sense. I like looking at both personally. Yeah, me so too. that's why I wanted to know what... Um, but yeah, anyway. But anyway, but now it's just funny because now Titanic's highest bars are four stars and five stars on Letterboxd. <laughs> that's cool, though. I mean, it should... I, I, I was, Oh, I forgot to tell you last time we talked. So I got in like this debate with people in my family we had like this kind of a pseudo or a quasi family reunion recently and there are a couple people who were talking trash about titanic apropos of nothing they're just oh, talking no. and i was like oh i'm getting in this they were talking about how it was like long even though one of them's favorite movie is the godfather which is like, <laughs> just, uh, oh not again and i'm like okay <laughs> Okay, and the one other one was like, ah, it's three hour movies too long. And I'm like, oh, it's like a chick flick or whatever. And I was just like going off. I'm like, listen here, you don't understand the artistry of James Cameron. Like you're looking at it from a very hype. Like you remember the hype when it came out. You saw it when it came out. And it was like, you know, affected by the hype and haven't seen it since. You need to rewatch the movie basically is what where, where I ended up on it. And I kind of went on a diatribe about stuff that. I like saw red and just like don't even remember half the stuff I said but both of them were like okay like maybe I'll have to check it out again I'm like yeah you better check it out again I was like very (laughs) defensive of Titanic (laughs) oh I love it and Ashley my wife she she was at the other end of this like long dinner table sitting next to our boys and she like called me to ask me a question on my phone and uh and I saw it and and I declined the call and I held a finger up and she like was like incredulous like what like why are you declining the phone call <laughs> and I was like I was like hold on and then like I went over and told her after she's like oh okay makes sense very understanding about it <laughs> oh that's uh, great yeah, it's, it was a I thought it was worth mentioning <laughs> love to hear it love to yeah. hear it when you were talking about you know Oscar bait kind of stuff and everything yeah that's and the way you said like Titanic's an Oscar winner but it's not Oscar bait yeah I do still think it's funny though that even though Titanic you know was super commercially successful it was also sort of a critical darling as well like it kind of had its cake and ate it too in the sense that you know it got 14 Oscar nominations won 11 of them across the board the critic response was pretty positive i mean like even now looking at the mm-hmm. rotten tomatoes critic score it's not bad you know what i mean yeah and so it's just kind of funny to me because i feel like the people who hate on it forget that and they just think of it as chick flick overrated too popular like whatever whatever and they just completely forget about the fact that it actually was incredibly successful on the opposite side yeah well aside from the effects and stuff like it did a lot of stuff correctly that I think 
matters more now than it did back then, such as backstory and the type of character depth that it gave to its characters. Um, yeah, there were movies that had that kind of depth, but like not blockbuster movies. Nowadays, you almost have to have that stuff. Otherwise, like people will dismiss your movie. But then people still dismiss Titanic. They call the, the characters paper thin, one dimensional, all this stuff. Re- like mm-hmm. Cal, sure. But but I mean, even he has certain motivations, obviously, because of the certain time. But anyway, but like, you know, Rose is not a one dimensional character, but people will still try to say she is. No, not at all. I, I think people want if people want to not like something, they, they'll say it, they'll make anything sound uh, credible, you know? Mm hmm. So the thing that's interesting about this re-release, as you know, you've probably gathered, it's been getting a much more favorable response mm-hmm. due to everybody going out to the theater, seeing it the way it's meant to be seen. There's just something about that. I think it also has to do with the fact that it is the 25th anniversary. It's the 25th anniversary of a movie, you know? It just kind of, it crosses over into classic territory at this point. I'm going to the 25th anniversary screening of this movie that came out in 1997 now, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's when, like, when, when Titanic came out, um, that was the 25th anniversary of The Godfather. Yeah, crazy. Um, which is wild because 97 doesn't feel that far away. But it was funny. I, I saw that the Star Wars special editions were re-released in theaters the same year Titanic came out. <laughs> yeah. The Titanic and Star Wars connections never end. Yeah. I think the first, I think they started in 96, no? And then they went to 97 or something? I don't know. All I saw was like it mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Oh, because it was something like when they were talking about Titanic's 2012 re-release, they said like a re-release hadn't done that well since the Star Wars special editions in 1997. Oh, those are, I mean, those were huge. I I don't know what the box office numbers were back then um, compared to to the Titanic one, but I mean, those were really big. Like, I remember going Mm -hmm. to packed theaters. And it was the first time I had ever seen it in theaters. That was just funny to me, though, because I, I was thinking to myself, what other older movie could, you know, be re-released and bring in the demographic of teenagers and kids and older people and yeah. whatever? And I and I thought, Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Gone with the Wind played really well on re-releases. I know that. Um, but it hasn't been re-released in a while, though, That's right? part of the reason why it has the highest... Um, box office ever interestingly we're kind of jumping around from what i thought the itinerary would be (laughs) but speaking of that this is all flowing we did get a message from pablo ohana uh he's a big titanic fan and he's a huge box office nerd uh he he called himself that that's not me being mean um (laughs) so he's like on this titanic re-release keeping track of all the data and so he wrote to us and he said i'm a box office geek titanic's 25th anniversary re-release makes titanic the highest grossing film of all time at the adjusted box office 3.7 billion to 3.5 billion for gone with the wind really that's what he said he's been on top of it so i don't know i don't know i'd have to look into this i know i said that i was like huh i i'm not sure 
And then he also said that everyone talks about box office in terms of money, but if you add ticket Ticket numbers from 97, 98, 2012, and 2023, it's well over 450 million tickets, which makes it the most attended film in history worldwide. Yeah, when when Gone with the Wind came out, I want to say it was something like it averaged like everyone in the country at the population at the time Mm -hmm. saw it like three times. Yeah. Crazy. If you think about it like that, like in relation to that, um, I don't think that'll ever happen again. Yeah. This is before TV. But it is funny, though, to mention Gone with the Wind because as I was looking at a bunch of older interviews, I was watching interviews with James Cameron, Leo mm-hmm. from around, you know, the Titanic press time. I came across this one with Bobby Wygant. She's like, I want to use the word legendary uh, interviewer, news reporter, movie critic. She's been at it for years and years and years. She's currently 96 and she's still kicking. And at the time of this Titanic interview, she was already 71. (laughs) She was 13 years old when Gone with the Wind came out. And I just found this interview that she did with James Cameron and it just it just made me so happy and it made me smile and I'm going to insert part of the audio because I just think it's great and it's just funny considering the way things have gone like with the box office and this interview is from November 20th 1997 so this is roughly a whole month before Titanic was even released she must have seen it at a screening the night before Mm -hmm. and then she thought about it all night and then she interviewed James Cameron the next day and I I valued her opinion as she said this because she just sounds so she's seasoned you know so this is what she had to say to James Cameron Jim Cameron how wonderful to see you I have never been happier to see you because I can sit here and say to you in all honesty and I thought about this for you know overnight before Mm -hmm. I wanted to be Mm -hmm. quoted on it I am saying to you that I believe this is the greatest epic since Gone with the Wind. Wow. Well, now, now calm down, Bobby. <laughs> Don't go overboard on me now. Well, I appreciate that. That's very sweet. That's very kind. Well, so much has been written and talked about prior to the opening of the lies, film. Lies, all lies. Well, I, I'm saying to you. I don't care if it cost $400 million. I don't care if it ran even an hour longer than it does. To me, this is just about as near perfect as a movie can be. I just wish you were running a studio. That's all I have to say. (laughs) I saw it having had no sleep for two nights, and I was totally energized and just with it every every step of the way. Good. Most, Most people have told me that they feel the time fly by and they're amazed that it is as long as it is, which I think is ultimately the most important thing. Some movies are too long at 90 minutes, you know. I've seen a lot of those. (laughs) (laughs) I'll bet you have. (laughs) Jim, all the best to you. And uh, if the Academy doesn't treat you right, I'm going to be very upset. (laughs) She's so cute. Yes. I just thought that was really cool that she made that grand statement and she wanted to make sure she thought about it before she could be quoted on it and she was so excited to see James Cameron to tell him this you know that she was making that statement 
before it was officially released, so before there was any audience feedback, before there was any critical feedback, you know, she just saw it and that's what she thought and that's what she felt and that's what she said. I just thought that was really cute and special and nice. And I say this because now, (laughs) as we segue into just a couple reviews that I came across on Letterboxd, um... Yeah, it's just interesting how the tides have changed um, towards people's opinion of Titanic. And a lot of these reviews came from former haters, (laughs) like self-proclaimed former Titanic haters. There are some like meme reviews that I was just going to get out of the way first because they're just nice and short. So there was one that just said, me, an avid Titanic hater watching it in 3D, and it's a link to Danny DeVito. I think it must be from It's Always Sunny, where he's sitting in a theater, and he has like tears in his eyes, and it zooms in on him, and he just goes, oh my god, I get it. (laughs) Jack Rafferty, this is all on Letterboxd, he said, My controversial opinion has always been that Titanic is crap. Well, I just watched it at the cinema, and it turns out I'm an idiot. Apparently, watching it at a mate's house on VHS in 20 minute chunks before school back in the 90s wasn't how James Cameron intended. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good one. I like it. And then there are these two reviews that are quite similar. Uh, I liked this one, Michael McCarr. He gave it five stars and a heart and said, if you don't like this movie, then I don't think movies are for you. True. <laughs> He's not wrong. And then another person who said something similar said, not to be dismissive or hyperbolic, but if you don't like Titanic, you may not like movies very much. I mean, I agree. Like, if you can't agree, if you can't appreciate yeah, yeah, yeah. and understand what is going on on the screen with Titanic... Yeah, there's some, like, I've heard someone say one time they didn't like Back to the Future, and I was like, dude, that's, like, the most likable movie in the world. Like, I just don't, <laughs> I don't get it. Like, I, I've no, it, it, there's a reason why no one says that, you know? Whereas, I mean, yeah, there's people who say it with Titanic, but, like, do they really, have they really, like, sat down and watch it? Like, I know people who watch movies while they, like, fold laundry. I'm like, you're not watching a movie, man. You're like, uh-huh. you know, you're disengaged with whatever is on screen. That's not how you're supposed to watch a movie. Like, watching while you're playing games on your phone you know it's like I just sure if you've seen it before it's one thing it's the first time you've seen it in years or like the first time you've ever seen it especially like you need to pay attention to what's going on yep so there's a lot of people who have said that they've somehow managed to go their whole life without seeing it mm. when they would tell their friends that it was like oh my god you've never seen titanic you know <laughs> and so this person had said Between the memes, still images, quotes that have percolated through pop culture, I almost felt like I had seen it. It had almost become a point of pride to say that I have avoided it this long. Well, I'm here to say that I was being dumb. Titanic is indeed excellent. It was almost a blessing in disguise that I waited to see it remastered in IMAX because it was visually stunning. They said, here's my public apology for sleeping on this movie. That's Jack Temple. This is by... Saposh, they gave it five stars and a heart, said, All my life I thought Titanic was a really bad movie. I hated it without actually seeing it. Remember, you said that. Good strategy. You said people hate things without even seeing it. Oh, yeah, all the time. Uh, All the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's shocking how many times that happens. 
So they said, all my life I thought Titanic was a really bad movie. I hated it without actually seeing it. Today I went to the cinema and actually watched it for the first time in 3D. And I have to be honest, that was one of the most beautiful and brilliant things I have ever seen. Thank you, James Cameron. Thank you. Will Redmond on Letterboxd gave it five stars and said, part of the theatrical experience you can never catch at home is that row behind me filled with teenage girls clearly seeing it for the first time and their investment in the the emotional story elevated the whole thing. This movie should come out every five or ten years and should play for at least a month. I mean, why not? I mean, that's another thing people have been talking about, like that the movie theaters are probably going, we're going to see a shift towards a lot more re-releases than we are going to like new movies new in content, theaters. Yeah. yeah. Like they'll play on streaming services, but like the theater, theatrical releases will be reserved for like the Ant-Mans or the Avatars or mm-hmm. the whatever, right? But, you know, they'll, re, they'll re-release like something like Titanic or like Back to the Future, Star Wars and stuff. Which I'm not against. That'd be awesome. Uh, I, I love the way someone said what I had said. They go, is it possible that this movie is actually underrated? And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, because of everything it went through over these years. Yeah, totally. This one was interesting. I like this one. This is by Wyatt. They said, I'm genuinely shocked that there were even movies in 1998 because so much of Titanic felt like the ultimate finale to film as an art form, if that makes sense. There will probably never be another Hollywood film with so much love and passion crafted into it with spades like this one. Even for today's standards, this is a marvel. I see what he did there. (laughs) Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I can see where the hyperbole is coming from, I guess. But yeah. Avatar is good too, but I mean, like, there's still like a there's a different quality to Titanic, though. I can't quite put. It's old school. He he is tapping. He's tapping into, like, the likes of Gone with the Wind or something like that. Yeah. Um. He's 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 channeling older movies than than his contemporaries. And this is interesting too. We've talked about this before. This is by O Business. They said, I think this movie gets written off because romance in general gets written off because misogyny. But love story aside, which is still hot, the amount of work and research that went into nailing the setting is why this movie won Best Picture and deserved it. I actually avoided seeing this when it came out because I was a 15-year-old straight male and could not be arsed. But now I am watching it at 40 and I think it is on its own objectively a masterwork. There's no business like oh business. Yeah. This was just a nice snippet of a review by Jess that says when the lights go out and the ship starts sinking it absolutely never fails to send shivers down my spine the whole packed cinema was silent in that moment it's truly a masterpiece of a movie and a love story that only a few managed to tell in such a beautiful and memorable way and that stood out to me because a lot of people critique Titanic because it's cliche it's a it's a simple love story blah 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 and I'm like okay but if that was the case it would not have completely etched itself into all of our memories and all of our hearts and and pop culture as a whole with the way the person said that only few can manage to tell in such a beautiful and memorable way and I think the memorable part stood out to me because We've talked about it before. Almost every bit of Titanic has some sort of place in popular culture, and so much of it is related to Jack and Rose. Yeah. And so, clearly, the way it was told and the way it was presented, there was something special about it. Cliche is overused. I think people have used that word. 
cliches in as in terms of like cinema should be re- reserved for how something's done not what's done and when people use it in this term they're talking about what's done but yeah mm-hmm. okay the love story we yeah, have of course we're still going to see love stories just like you're still going to see songs in the key of c right it's just a matter of how that how the filmmaker utilizes that what and how he deliver he or she delivers it you, like, you can't watch this and say that the how is cliche mm. Emma Chantry gave it five stars and a heart and said, Beyond comprehension, you haven't seen someone cry until you've seen me at the end of Titanic in 3D. How does one go on processing anything after this? It feels like I've toured the world, gone to heaven, and now that I've come back down, I don't know what to do with myself. I do feel like it's given me such an arsenal to live, things to strive for. All I have to do is follow Rose's example, embody who I want to be. When a film gives you that freedom, I think you have to cherish it, and that's what I plan on doing. And I'm like, it's so true, though. Like, those of us who, like, really love and relate to it, like, we get the same sort of thing. And I liked this simple sort of meme review by Cell. They said, James Cameron said, take five. Kate and Leo heard, change lives. And they did. (laughs) (laughs) Loved that one. Mm -hmm. Jacob Jones. Uh, This is his second favorite movie of all time. And he said, seeing this in theaters was an incredible experience. The door debate, asinine and doesn't matter. The issue people have with Rose throwing the diamond into the ocean in the end, completely missing the point of that moment. And no one in the theater said a word during those scenes. When the credits ran, people were clapping. People still clap for this movie. It's that good. This is as perfect as blockbuster filmmaking gets, and I'm amazed when I watch it every single time. And people clapped at my at my things too, which was nice. Oh yeah, that's cool. Do, do you know if people talked about the door thing upon the initial release? Oh, I think it was like immediate. Immediate. It was okay. pretty quick. I don't know? know if it was like just something that people were like trying to figure out a way to critique it or something. Now, what's funny, though, is that one of the biggest criticisms I still see is people saying that they don't like the frame story. They don't like Old Rose. That's like such a cool part of it. And it's such an important part of it. Yeah. We've said before, I think that's a huge chunk of the movie's success and also what sets it apart from other Titanic films that just center around 1912. Like this connects it to the, you know, quote unquote present of the time to tell you like yeah. this was a thing that happened and affected <laughs> these people for their whole lives, you know? Yeah, it gives a perspective and like them diving into the ocean. I mean, you can't not have that. Like you have to have that. Exactly. It is crazy to me the amount of people who don't get that and say that it's completely useless, cut it out, there's no point. I'm like, you missed it. Um, So this one person, Brando Hu, said, by introducing the film with a present tense, the story becomes a living ghost that links past and future, Mm -hmm. life and death, and even characters and audiences. The intense touch of time contributes a lot to make it even sadder. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so Connell Malarkey, I love that. Is his last name really Malarkey? <laughs> I hope it's Malarkey. But uh, yeah, Connell. Uh, I loved what he said. He said, "A one-time snob towards this glorious epic, I was converted to appreciate this often shot-down masterpiece after seeing it the way it was meant to be seen on the big screen." I love the way he says, it may not be intellectually challenging cinema. And I'm like, ouch. (laughs) I get a lot out of this movie, but... Yeah. Okay. Um, But Titanic is still a colossal achievement and a piece of history itself. 
It will be around for many, many years after its wave of critics say their own earthly goodbyes. As long as people are still talking about movies, Titanic will survive. Yeah, do you need, like, I mean, even if it's not intellectually stimulating, you don't, I don't need every movie I watch to be intellectually stimulating. Yeah. I don't agree with that statement. But I don't know. But see, but see, but that's what I'm saying. This is, this is letterboxd, remember? Yeah, yeah, that's letterboxd, <laughs> that's true. Like, I don't agree with that statement. I think that, I think the movie is, is layered and like, that's the stimulation. Mm-hmm. Even then, like, I'll, I can watch a movie that's not, like, the new Top Gun, for to bring it back up again, is not intellectually stimulating, but it's like one of the most entertaining movies I've seen in, in a while. I don't know. I don't know. That's just, that's a lot of malarkey. <laughs> so, one that I really wanted to share is mm-hmm. by Key Belling, and I really liked this because we've talked about this before, but the way he worded it, I was like, yes, that's, this is it. So he started off by just saying that he's seen it many times, but watching it in 3D and IMAX was a bit of a spiritual experience. Full house, people young and old, consistent audible sobs throughout the entire last hour. Goes on to, you know, praise the filmmaking. And then he ends it by saying, is there any other movie that's entered and stayed in the culture as much as this without a single sequel, without a single piece of ancillary media? A completely unique achievement. This is movie magic at its finest, and I think it's probably the greatest film ever made. Obviously, I agree with that. Um, But it's true, though, and we've talked about that. And of course, you know, Titanic also has the actual ship yeah, yeah. behind it to continue giving it cultural relevance. I think was you can make is Wizard of Oz. Um did, it, oh, didn't yeah. ma- it didn't matter the source material behind the Wizard of Oz is is uh, doesn't is arbitrary. It doesn't mean anything. Was it a book though? When I my whole like it was years before I knew that there was a book and yet I was watching mm-hmm. it all throughout my childhood. Like I it's it's neither here nor there the source material for Wizard of Oz. I think you could make a case for Oh no, for sure. So, but Titanic but yeah. is still different. Like, yeah, you have there's not a sequel. There's not like a And and what's crazy though is that, you know, as even though it does have the ship to continue to propel it into our consciousness, like it has the history behind it. So much of what people remember about Titanic, though, is the movie. They remember mm-hmm. Jack and Rose. They remember all those memes that come from them. They remember Draw Me Like One of Your French Girls. They remember I'm Flying. They remember the necklace. They remember King of the World. King of the World. You know, all these different things that are connected specifically to the movie. And there was a poll. I saw a poll. And it said, when you hear Titanic, what do you think of? And the poll was... James Cameron's 1997 movie or the actual historical event <laughs> and James Cameron's movie won the poll yeah. so I mean there you go I mean so that's why it's, it's like even more so I kept thinking I was like oh what movie I was like maybe I was like Godfather I'm like wait no that has like sequels <laughs> that, yeah. I'm like wait oh Star Wars of course wait no that has a bazillion <laughs> things yeah. you know I was just really trying to think but of more like somewhat more modern movies you know yeah it'd probably be like something in the 80s like breakfast club maybe um but not as big as titanic but yeah if you're trying to come up with something close i still see references every single day there was a reference the other day that i shared that wwe did i was like what (laughs) i saw that as a while i was like this is ridiculous (laughs) every single day i can't there's something yeah titanic's not going to i mean there are museums dedicated to Titanic, and there are other titanic films but like yeah. I, I, there was actually there was an interview I watched with James Cameron just recently 
is a new interview that he did for the 25th anniversary and someone asked him what does he think about a potential remake of his movie or something and he <laughs> and he's great he was just like well i mean a remake of that exact story that would be dumb but can't rule it out you know cut to first of all we still have titanic so we don't have to worry about a remake um, and I'm still alive. Second, I'm dead. People can do whatever they want. Um, now, Titanic, a number of stories about Titanic have been made since my movie. You know, it exists as a historical event, and anybody can access that and tell their own tell their own version of it. A remake of the exact Jack and Rose story that'd be pretty silly. But you know, they waited till after Hitchcock was dead to remake Psycho with the same script. So anything's possible in this. In this entertainment business. I honestly want to see it, but uh, that's just because I have this like sick desire to just watch all these classics be remade in inferior ways. <laughs> so this was a really nice one I wanted to say. Sam Friedman, they said, this remaster is nuts. It looks current and stunning even by that standard. Extremely uncanny to see little Leo and kid Kate in a movie that doesn't show its age as if they're still alive at the same time as their older selves. And that was so interesting to me because I feel like that's what the kids on TikTok are experiencing. Yeah. They're all wrapped up in Jack Dawson and young Leo as if he's still alive existing in that form. You know what I mean? And the fact that the movie does not look old really when you see it in this beautiful 4K and the effects still hold up, that just contributes to that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's crazy. This is one that I had wanted to mention. Um, it's by Musu. Uh, they gave it five stars and a heart. And there was just this one part towards the bottom of their review that really hit me. So they said, Titanic is an impressive film that has aged remarkably well and stood the test of time strongly. The emotion and depth of the story are such that I don't think I could ever watch it again without shedding tears. It's a rare movie that manages to evoke such a strong emotional response, and it's one that I will never forget. I think this was their first time watching it. Yeah, because they said, despite being bombarded by memes and spoilers on the internet for decades, which would lead me to believe that I knew everything about the movie, it still managed to split my heart in half. When Rose enters the ship again at the end and everyone is waiting and watching her walk up to Jack, I couldn't help but cry even more. It's a beautiful scene that underscores the movie's themes of love, sacrifice, and tragedy. The credits rolled and my tears continued to flow, only stopping until I walked out to my car to let the tears come back. I could only stop them finally once I called my mom and told her how much I loved her. Titanic is a masterpiece that reminds us of the fragility of life, the importance of love, and how that love can be so strong that it transcends death. It's a film that will stay with me for a long time, and I highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it yet. That was just great. I I really loved that one. When I first read it, I shed a tear, especially just the way they worded. Ugh. Just, yeah, I really loved that review. Yeah, it was really good. That was letterboxed? Yeah. I think that sums things up pretty well. And I feel like there's a lot more of those reviews I could read. I had saved a bunch of them, but maybe we'll save that as a new segment, maybe, at the end of our episodes. That's like, a good idea. Letterboxed yeah. review of the day. Because <laughs> there are some really, like, longer emotional ones that yeah, I yeah. really wanted to share. Yeah. Um, but we can get to those some other time. 
Someone did mention to talk about the way James Cameron did the 25 years later experiment to see if Jack and Rose could both survive on the wood. <laughs> he did like a whole scientific experiment. And I think he's fixated on it. I know. The answer was basically that maybe Jack possibly could have lived, but there were a lot of variables. And so yeah, we're yeah. right back to square one. It, it, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it, it was tough. So then some comments from you guys. Nicole Isabel on Facebook said, I feel like this re-release was more emotional than in 2012. I wonder if it's the Valentine's Day aspect or just the events of recent years, but my God, it was amazing. It really was like seeing it for the first time. I got to see it three times and wish I saw it at least one more. I hope they don't stop re-releasing. Um, and I thought that was interesting because it definitely did feel more emotional this time you know at least for me coming off what I went through but I but again I feel like just because of what the world has gone through in general I feel like revisiting a movie like Titanic which is just so different from the movie landscape today I think that makes it a little bit more emotional you know it's timeless for sure yeah so then Katie on Instagram wrote that she took her 12 year old and she didn't like it she was influenced by all the memes, plus found it way too intense. Cue huge mom guilt. Yeah, I was like, oh no, I hate to hear stuff like that. I mean, obviously not everybody is going to like everything, but mm-hmm. that that's sad. <laughs> when she said she was influenced by all the memes, you know, I'm like, ah man. I've seen a, a few people say that hearing the motif over and over again just kept making them laugh because... People have taken the My Heart Will Go On motif and have put the bad recorder version of it everywhere and used that for memes and, so you know. So you're saying social media is ruining film. I guess. I get it. All right. Noted. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's like the Star Wars thing. Like you hear a lot of people say, oh, my kids were like, whatever about it, but other kids love it. So <laughs> we'll see. 12 is young. It's technically PG-13. So. One more year. Next year will change everything. Next year she'll like it, yeah. <laughs> so Sarah wrote to us on Instagram and said, I was too young to see the movie in theaters in 1997. I was born in 95. But luckily my parents didn't have much restrictions on what I could and couldn't watch, so I probably saw Titanic around five years old. Same. Uh, my whole family loves the movie and anytime it's back in theaters we go and see it this most recent re-release has reinvigorated my love for the movie and my curiosity for the real voyage finding your podcast was just the cherry on top when Brittany said that whenever she sees anything about Titanic it feels like an extension of herself I felt that so hard it's amazing how art connects to us so deeply I have two questions slash topic requests. I was wondering if either of you have looked into the theories about the real Titanic and it possibly being a hit job or insurance scam, or about the chowder on the set of the film being laced with PCP. Thank you again, Sarah. <laughs> and yeah, so thank you for sharing the story. I completely relate. And yes, it is truly amazing how art can connect all of us, especially Titanic in the way so many of us have such similar experiences it's beautiful but yeah the the real theories and conspiracies about the actual titanic and how it was a hit job and it was all planned absolutely ridiculous is it 
don't know. I, I, I don't no, know. it is. There was. I've never heard anything about this. There was like a viral TikTok that went around of these guys. Mm-hmm. Their conversation was clearly scripted. It's not a genuine conversation at all. And they're going back and forth about this Titanic conspiracy, and it went viral. And they're talking about how. Uh, they sank it on purpose so that they could get insurance money. All these crazy conspiracies. It's just ridiculous. And then this great guy, Raph, he's the Titanic guy. That's literally his handle is the Titanic guy. He's so quick to debunk everything. He just debunked every single line of that theory and was like, nope, nope, this was this, this was that. Yeah, I think... Some of those things were crazy. And then there was, because it's always, no, 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 it wasn't the Titanic that actually sank. It was the Olympic. And, and that was the whole thing. They, they, it was, they were pulling one over on everybody. And I don't even, it's. Is it the people who have, would have sunk it? You would have to have somebody on the ship who was in on this. And yeah. It's awful. Xavier on Instagram said, or Javier, uh, said that they were disappointed that they didn't update the CGI scenes in the movie. The CGI people looked as fake as ever in those scenes. Now, it's funny. I didn't think so either. I'm just so used to it and I just accept it for what it is that I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. And obviously those characters are lower quality than the rest of the movie because the rest of the movie is in like 4k but then these people were clearly they're so small and they were done with 90s technology so you can tell that they're much lower quality as well now but like alexandra said in our interview with her if they were to fix that stuff you would miss the old ones if they were gone you would miss that charm of the time you know yeah, I'm very anti George Lucasing. <laughs> yeah, George Lucasing things and calling it the original. It's one thing we want to do a director's cut and then release it as okay, this is mm-hmm. like a director's cut of Titanic with the original version still available. That's one thing. But so this was a nice message from Frank from Germany on Instagram. He said, "Thank you so much for your podcast. This movie is so important to me. To be approached in this form, your podcast means a lot to me." I was 17 when Titanic was released in Germany. I was in love from the very first second of the movie. Since then, I've watched a million times VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, and seen it every time I have a chance to go to the movies. I picked the person I go with very carefully. This time, I took a good friend of mine. Her birthday was a week later. She turned 25. Since then, she has been in love with a young Leo. I would like to share something personal. I am 40 now. I had cancer when I was 37, and for a couple of weeks, there was a big chance I might not make it. I looked back at my life and what human slash art slash experiences shaped me as the man I am today. Of course, Titanic was on that list. To see my movie, More Beautiful Than Ever, some years after I defeated cancer, meant the world to me. Thank you so much for your podcast. Your fan from Germany, Frank. Thank you, Frank. I mean, see, like, that's such, like, that's such a powerful story. There's so much wrapped up in it that, yeah, it's just amazing how one movie can connect so many of us in such similar ways, but such unique ways. But there's always that one through line that we all have. And let's see if there's anything else. Just a few responses on Twitter. Under the fan said, I'm just so happy you guys are back. Looking forward to the new episodes. Thank you. We are too. Hopefully we'll stay on a good a good schedule moving forward. That is a, a New Year's resolution. Irish Gamer replied and said that they weren't able to make it for the re-release, but they did manage to nab the new poster before it was dumped. <laughs> K. 
Kate said, I went to the re-release with my mom and it was amazing. I told her random things I knew about the Titanic and told her about certain lines that, that were improved by certain actors. That, oh, that was actually something I wanted to mention as well. Uh, during the breakfast scene with Rose and Cal, I think I might have mentioned that his flip mm-hmm. of the table was ad-libbed or something. But then I saw some articles or rec- that came out recently of Billy Zane being like, of course that wasn't ad-libbed. That would be completely unprofessional. <laughs> really? I I would believe it, it was it, that it was an ad-lib. But I, I mean, think it's they- kind of in the middle. Uh, he came up with the idea in the moment on set and he was like, hey, could I maybe toss the table? Yeah, it, and they were yeah. like, yeah, sure, try that, you know. And that's kind of maybe yeah. how the rumor of it being ad-libbed came about it wasn't like he was just in the middle of the scene and (laughs) decided i'm gonna have no regard for the props department i'm gonna have no regard for the costume department in case we get any of this food on it (laughs) you know what i mean that's a good point yeah Yeah, that's a good point he's like i I could potentially injure kate by doing this you know yeah like it could have been his idea but it wasn't an ad yeah okay so i think That'll do it for all of the 25th anniversary discussions and comments and some mm-hmm. reviews and some other stuff. We will definitely, as usual, read messages and comments at the top of all of our scene discussions as we move forward. Um, but now it is time to just do a really fun announcement that we have to make. Our last episode was an interview with first-class woman Alexandra Boyd, who is an actress who portrayed a first-class woman in Titanic. And a cool thing about that interview is that it came to be and will be part of a really cool documentary that Alexandra directed and put together called Ship of Dreams, Titanic Movie Diaries. And it's really great. Me and Ethan are featured in it. Uh, there's a couple other really big fans of Titanic that were featured as well. It's a really beautiful documentary. We got to catch a screening of it, um, like a virtual screening, which is just so cool. And it was so amazing. There are other Titanic cast members, core extras, reading diaries that they kept on set. I think they all realized that they were part of something really special and they all decided to keep a diary. And this documentary is all these actors reading their diaries for the first time in 25 years. And it's really, really amazing. It's very emotional. I obviously highly recommend it, not just because we're in it, but because it's really good. And I think if you are a fan of Titanic, You definitely don't want to miss this. So again, it is called Ship of Dreams, Titanic Movie Diaries, and I will put all of the information for the documentary in the description of this podcast episode. You can follow them on socials to keep up to date with when it will be out. Um, You can watch the trailer right now. Uh, We will put a link to that as well. Yeah, it's just really awesome. We're super excited to have been a part of it. And uh, it was really cool. We interviewed Alexandra and then Alexandra interviewed me as, you know, the resident Titanic fan here on the podcast. And yeah, it was it was just such a good time. And we look forward to the release and we hope you guys check it out. Are we in the trailer? 
We are not in the trailer, unfortunately. <laughs> I think we did our parts a little bit late in the game, I think. So yeah, yeah. they might have had the trailer all ready to go before that. But but we are in it, and it's really nice. It was such a, a cool thing to watch, and seeing the other fans included was really special as well. Yeah, so many interesting stories and cool um, segments throughout that documentary. So The point was that what Alexander said was it's the it's about like all the people who are involved in movies and there's I mean it takes a village right mm-hmm. so really cool yeah when you think about Titanic you think about the stars you think about James Cameron but there was so many other people involved with this movie who gave up you know months of their lives to work on it and have all these memories and experiences so it's very mm-hmm. very interesting and we're honored to have been asked to be a part of it we, we can't wait yeah so i think that'll just about do it for our official comeback catch up 25th anniversary discussion episode we're so happy to be back and we thank you all for listening and sticking with us during the great hiatus and being excited to have us return really really appreciate it we're so thankful and yeah we did cross over a hundred thousand downloads uh the other day so that's amazing thank you so much it's so crazy and again never thought that this podcast i mean titanic is titanic we know this but we did this for fun it was just another thing we did kind of on the side on the side side you know what i mean our other podcast was something we did for fun and then we did this in addition as something else for fun and it's just wonderful and amazing to see it doing very well so thank you guys so much and yeah our next episode will be one that we recorded back in august of 2021 so some of the things we say might even seem a little outdated based on things that have happened i think i talked about how the movie should be released for the 25th anniversary i think i mentioned something like that i think there's just things like that and it's like actually kind of funny you can hear me start to spiral in the episode you can hear me like the beginning of my mental breakdown because we got a voicemail asking us about watching titanic analytically and when you go to watch it again are you able to let the movie just wash over you or are you thinking of everything analytically uh you can hear me i'm i'm like um yeah, I think I'm going to need to take like a five year break from Titanic when we're done with this podcast. And then I eventually right after that took a two year break from Titanic. So it's just kind of funny. I was like, yeah, I'm worried that that might happen to me that I'll be thinking too much. And then that did spiral into me not wanting to hear myself talk and thinking about like overthinking every single thing we ever said. And it was just yeah, so that was definitely it's kind of funny to listen back to that because yeah yeah but yeah so that is in the next episode uh so do do keep in mind it was recorded two years ago but that is ready to go so we will let this episode cook for a bit we'll let this episode (laughs) have its time in the sun for like a week or two and then that one will be ready to go for you guys and then we will jump back in real time with these scenes Yeah, so that's about it. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Follow us on all the socials, including our letterbox profiles now, which will be in the description from this point on, I think. Uh, feel free to follow us there. And then, of course, the podcast socials, Titanic by Scene or Titanic Scene by Scene 
everywhere. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr. Send us an email, scene at gmail.com. Send us a voicemail via Anchor. That link should be in the description as well. And I think that'll just about do it. So thanks for listening, and we will see you in the next next episode. For real. <laughs> Current us will see you in the next next episode, but yeah. Brittany and Ethan from two years ago will see you <laughs> in the next episode. <laughs> see it.